Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast, episode 51 of season two. And we are coming to the end of our reading through the Bible together, which puts us in the book of Revelation and so much unfolding in the book of Revelation. So many questions, so much imagery. Uh, is this real? Is this not real? Is this God's? It's just so, a lot of questions there in Revelation. Maybe we'll have a chance to tackle a question or two and uh and it's just me today so uh, josh is uh, out on um assignment <laughs> i guess we'll say and uh, so today we are gonna look at some passages of scripture and and also uh, looking forward to the coming year uh when not only will josh be back to co-host but we also will have special guests uh joining us uh throughout the year so uh, but today, it is just me taking a look at what God has revealed, not only in Revelation, but in the Minor Prophets as well, and also the end of Psalms and the at the end of Proverbs. Uh, so, uh, so come back, and we will look at what God has illuminated this week in our reading. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast as we take a peek at some of the things that God revealed in last week's reading, a very, very interesting week of reading indeed. In fact, it was the reading of uh, that takes us up on the Christmas day. It's just, the irony is that it's really not, uh, we don't read Luke chapter 2 uh, and it's a reading through the Bible together, but there are some uh, interesting things, I think. Uh, and when we get into the question answer time, uh, Micah actually shares something, uh, reveals to us a prophecy about the birth of Jesus Christ, which was in this week's reading, which is kind of neat because it is the week of Christmas. And uh, so anyway, um, that uh, and I hope everybody did have a Merry Christmas um, this last week. Um, the, um, the first passage I wanted to share, though, comes from Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. It says, here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Uh, and, and this is an important verse uh, for all of Christian history because uh, we have been defined by our ability to wait on the Lord and not indulge the flesh. Um, Oswald Chambers, incredible devotional writer, he writes these words. Uh, Jesus Christ says, in effect, if you will serve me, you will keep your chastity. That means there has to be a fight. You realize that all the power of God is behind you as you make the fight you may be pure and unsullied for months when all of a sudden there's this insinuation of an idea uh, and, it, and it grip, you've got to grip it on the threshold of your mind and in a vice instantly and not allow it anymore. We have to fight these things that pop into our mind. This is the patience of the saints is is what has maintained us in all of Christian uh, Christendom, and 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 the it's when we get impatient, it's when we think I, God's not going to provide and I've got to do something or God's not going to fix this and I've got to take this action. That impatience is what causes us such a great amount of grief and hardship and difficulty and in life and so forth. When we just if we just simply wait on Him, He has an answer to. And we've just gotten so used to not waiting. We've gotten so used to just working on our impulses and just saying, no, I'm just going to do this. It'd just be easier this way rather than waiting for see what God is going to do. Um, we we don't, not only do we not get to see what God does, uh, we rob him of glory. We rob him of the opportunity to show us and to show others uh, how he was going to respond in such a magnificent 
way. But um, but anyway, that's uh, that's why it is so important. And, and the uh, and the ones who have kept patient and the ones uh, are the ones who are going to uh, demonstrate to the world the power and and glory of Christ. Uh, another passage comes from Haggai. Uh, chapter two. Now I know that that's everybody's favorite book of the Bible, uh, Haggai. And uh, but the uh, anyway, th- there is. I just I just wanted to share this because it does have uh, something special in it uh, for us this week. It says, and now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of twenty ephahs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. It's important for us to regularly, that's that's Haggai 2, uh, verses 15 and 16. It's really important for us to regularly consider, to meditate upon the values of obedience and the consequences of disobedience. Uh, too often we forget that our Father is our provider and sustainer, and when we are experiencing difficulties, the first thing we have to analyze is whether we are obedient. Uh, when times are lean, when life gets frustrating, the very first thing that we need to consider is if God is trying to get our attention. Uh, he has always used this method uh, throughout history with his with his children to simply to get us to think, wait a second, uh, why is this not working? Why is why is why is everything falling apart? Why what is the reason that uh, nothing is going the way it's supposed to go? And in that moment of frustration, we had that moment. The very first thing we need to consider is, am I being obedient? And and just to do a check and analysis. Now sometimes you may be obedient, and it may just be God uh, just trying to get you to wait or be patient. It may be God trying to redirect you. It may not be a matter of you doing something wrong. It just may be a matter of you not doing what it is that God wants you to do in order to fulfill His will. Uh, and uh, and you might say, well, what's the difference between those two? Well, sometimes things are not inherently bad. And that, like, for instance, uh, I may say I'm going to send this gift to this person for their birthday. And so I've got to, it's nothing wrong with sending somebody a birthday gift. But maybe perhaps God doesn't want you to send that particular gift. Maybe he doesn't want you to send it that particular time. Maybe he doesn't want you to, to maybe he's going to provide it uh, through another means than what you are thinking of. And, and so waiting on him, and so so he begins to put roadblocks in place, and you can't find what it is you wanted to get, or or the order doesn't go through, or you all of a sudden had to spend the money on something different. And he's doing all these things to get your attention, saying, "Hey, I've I just want you to look to me to see how I want you to do this, whether this is something I actually want you to do or not," and uh, instead of just leaping ahead. Uh, and so that's uh, anyway, that's how uh, God gets our attention. Uh, that's uh, so anyway, that's little things that we discover when we read through the minor prophets. So uh, and then I had another passage that I wanted to share with you uh, from Revelation uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 15 and 16. He says, so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened his mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So uh, this could be a lot of different things, but it, passages in Revelation like this just spark so much thought 
an interest when we look at it because he, it looks as though uh, God is simply giving an imagery of an, of something that's occurred in the in the lifespan of the church. So you've got this could be Noah's flood or something else historically or something yet to come. Um, John John gives us, us a little history of Satan at war with God's people as well as the current situation that's happening with him as well as looking forward to the battles that are to unfold uh, that that are, are happening before Jesus returns. So when you try to put a chronological timeline on Revelation, it's very difficult and, and it's and it's not necessary. The flood of Noah is an attack from Satan, as well as the judgment of God, uh, just as God uses Assyria and Persia under Satan's rule to judge Israel. So he used Satan to pour out water to destroy man. Uh, but the flood uh, was both real in history and symbolic of future devastation that's going to come upon the earth. And uh, you have Elijah, who was real and also symbolic in John the Baptist. Um, the point is that uh, you have God illustrating um, the battle uh, to us between us and the enemy. So these are all things that uh, Re- Revelation just filled with this type of imagery. And then one more thing I wanted to share from Revelation chapter 9, uh, verses 18 through 21. Uh, By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders of or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Yeah, I try to when I read passages like this in this Revelation chapter nine, verse eighteen through twenty one, I try to envision what modern war share what modern war machines um John may have seen in his vision. Is is he's trying to describe these things? Are these things that we actually have in existence today that would have looked this way to him? Uh, back in this time, or is it something that we we don't even have yet, but some type of futuristic uh, modern warfare, or is it just purely symbolic and doesn't have any reference? He wasn't he was seeing something exactly as it's uh, portrayed there, and uh, doesn't have any connection to anything of of reality. But uh, so I don't know. I don't know if it's purely symbolism or if he actually is literally seeing a modern warcraft of some form. Um, but the the point is is whatever the case he's seeing. Uh, it's clear that a lot of people are going to die as a result of it and that they do not repent. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in our last podcast. You have so many things that uh, happen. What God is trying to, why God is allowing these things to happen is to evoke in us a a moment where we go, oh my goodness, we need to turn back to God in order to, in hope that he will relent of this judgment, in order that he will relent of this wrath. But the uh, reality is, is that sometimes there is no relenting. There is no, when people have, when their stubborn will is against the will of God, it doesn't matter what God does, they're not going to ever turn away. The, the, at that point, it just becomes an act of judgment, and that, and that he's trying to illustrate. Look, even even after I give you gave you every opportunity to repent and turn, uh, and and he will use good things. He will bless us. 
and see how we respond to the blessing. And then he will curse us and then see how we respond to the cursing. He allows both to see, to give us opportunity to respond. And, and when the judgment comes and when we stand before God, these are the things he's, this is the evidence he will bring forth to show, look, I did all of these things, giving you the opportunity. And, uh, and then every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But, um, but some will be, uh, they will, they will not want to willingly serve him as Lord. They are forced into servitude and will then suffer for all eternity, uh, for their unwillingness to be a part of his kingdom, for their unwillingness to submit to his leadership, for their unwillingness to, uh, repent and say, I don't want to be in a sinful world and live under sin. I don't want to choose my own destiny and and do my own thing. I want to. I trust that God's will is the best will for me, and I that's the will that I want. And if you don't think it is, then you don't have to abide by His will. Uh, in that uh, you don't have to live in a kingdom where His will prevails. You can just simply suffer for outside of His will for all eternity not because what what we don't understand and what the lost the lost people of the world and, and those who do not follow Christ and those who do not have the understanding of the Holy Spirit and those who don't believe or trust in what the word of God says what the word of God says is that uh, if we do not follow his will if we do not walk with Christ if we do not take this then uh, then this is this is what we were created for we were created for fellowship with God. So if we do not want to have fellowship with God, then we are cast out of it. And all the good things that you know and all the good things that you like about life, everything that from, you know, sunshine and and rainbows and uh, and just uh, and good relationships and and the love that people love, joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all these things that are such amazing values uh, and amazingly good things, amazing fruit of knowing God. All these things exist in God's kingdom under his rule. Uh, once you take, uh, once you're removed from that, you don't, those things aren't there anymore. And that's why hell is hell is because, uh, it is completely removed of the good things of God. And so many people think that they're going to go to hell, but take some of the goodness of God with them. But, uh, it, it, God has revealed that is not the case. Uh, so that's why it's so important to put your faith and trust in Christ and receive the life that he has. There is no life apart from him. There isn't another option. So if there was, obviously, then he would tell us what the other option was because uh, he's a loving God. He would he would not withhold that from you. But uh, but he has told us the truth that the only hope we have is in Christ. Well, when we come back, we were going we're going to look at her at uh, a couple of different questions that arise in the reading this week. So um, be sure and return in just a moment. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards. It's just me today as we are rounding out. Uh, the, this is the last podcast of the year, the second to last podcast of our season two. Uh, season two wraps up at the first of the year because we've got one more week of reading. Uh, but in this week's of reading, I would be remiss if I did not address a question that comes from the book of Revelation because... There are so many questions in the book of Revelation, uh, but uh, anyway, one one in particular.
particular is about the two witnesses. There are two witnesses that are are, are mentioned in Revelation chapter 11. Uh, he says uh, he says these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. They have authority to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. They also have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth uh, with every plague whenever they want. So these two witnesses are, are really... Uh, you can take it one of two ways. Oh, there's a lot of different ways, but I'm just going to highlight two ways. One is that they are literally two witnesses, that these are people who are, um, that are the two witnesses that God raises up, and they have these powers, and so the whole world knows that there's these two people who does this. Or you can see the two witnesses being symbolic of the two prophets of old, uh, Elijah and Moses, and because there is um, the powers that they draw upon um, come from um, Elijah and Moses. These are the, the illustrated in the things they get. Elijah had this power of of consuming the people who came, uh, his enemies, in fire. You have Moses who turns the water uh, to blood uh, in a plague and so forth and striking the earth with every plague. So so the powers of Elijah and Moses uh, are, are basically utilized here but uh, and, and it could be god saying that these the power of these two witnesses is going to be given to uh the people of god uh during this period of time uh in the uh in the tribulation in the great tribulation so um and the uh, and then the beast comes up out of the abyss makes war with them conquers them and kills them uh and their dead bodies are laying out and so forth uh the uh, so and when you're reading revelation one of the things to remember is that it, there is a, a a great amount of symbolism uh it, it could be that uh again that we're talking about literal people but when you're you know one of the ways i like to think of it is when you're reading the old testament and seeing what how god illustrated those things um that now looking back in context, we see oh, this is a lot of symbolic uh, things here, but uh, now we know we can fill in the blanks here. And that's that brings us to the next question uh, is where does God prophesy about where Jesus is going to be born? Because when Herod in the Christmas story, uh, which you would have surely have gone through and it's just just this past week, um, the uh, King Herod asked them, the, the wise men come looking for Jesus. They say, where is, uh, where, where can we find this king and so forth? And they say, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. One of the reasons why people didn't believe in Jesus was because they said, oh, no, the Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem. So that is why in Luke, you have this critical piece of information that Jesus was indeed born in Bethlehem and why Herod sent people, uh, his soldiers into Bethlehem and had every child under the age of two uh, uh, killed uh, to make sure to try to wipe out this future king. Well, where do they base this off on? Where does it come from? Where did God say this? Well, it's in, in Micah chapter 5, uh, verse 2. He says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, uh, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up, 
until the time that she who is in labor has given birth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. So over 700 years before the birth of Christ, God revealed to Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And it's a ruler that comes from a line that predates the age of kings, the ancient days. Um, And he tells the children of Israel they're going to be given over to captors until their Messiah comes, which is why they were expecting a military victor. They were expecting someone to come and to set them free. When this Messiah is born in Bethlehem, here's the sign that they are now going to, they're going to have to be under the oppression of a foreign state until uh, the Messiah comes to reestablish his kingdom and and then the nation of Israel will be elevated once again but it didn't happen that way it uh, but when it happened when Jesus came then he gave us further revelation that the gospel needed to be taken to the ends of the earth before his final return and his military conquest which comes in the book of revelation so we get this greater revelation you know it's almost inconceivable that in 2000 years <laughs> Uh, we still have not gotten the message, the gospel, to everyone. I mean, so this is so when you think about why is it taking Jesus so long to return, think about why is it taking so long for us to communicate this good news to every tribe and tongue up on the planet, and and then you kind of see the reason for his delay is because there are still so many millions, billions more people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God stays his hand, giving everyone an opportunity, every people, every tribe, every tongue, uh, every every group, ethnic group, an opportunity to hear the good news of Christ so that when he does return and he does establish his kingdom, there is representation from all the tribes of the earth. So... There you have it, and uh, and we will um, and and the Bethlehem Ephrathah, by the way, uh, Ephrathah is just a, a name that's given to um, where is where Rachel uh, was buried and so forth. It was the original name of Bethlehem uh, back in the Old Testament. So uh, the in the New Testament, inter- when Matthew was sharing it, he drops the Ephrathah, but that's that's the original name of Bethlehem. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you for being with us. It's it's never the same without Josh, but he'll be back with us and uh, as co-host. And also in the coming season, we have additional guests that will be part of it. And so if you would like to be a guest on the Understanding Jesus podcast, we invite you uh, to let us know. Send us a message. Say, hey, I would really love to be on your podcast. And you can send that to me at Troy at FBCJ.us or Josh at FBCJ.us. But until then, we'll see you next time on Understanding Jesus. 